If you've got a Bible, I will invite you to turn with me to the book of Psalms chapter 26. Psalms chapter 26, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. Psalms chapter 26, written by David. Many Psalms, uh, Asaph, several different psalmists and singers who put pen to paper and ascribed glory to God, but when we know David wrote, there is a gravity to what he had to say. He didn't just crank out songs because they rhymed or because they had a catchy tune. I was talking to my brother one day and he said, you know, today songwriters, they write songs and they, they, they'll say, um, you know, how can I write this song? Um, maybe I can make some words rhyme. What rhymes with faith, uh, faith, space? Uh, that didn't really rhyme. This is why I'm not a songwriter. <laughs> and they'll just try to come up with something that's kind of a little ditty and, and sounds kind of cool and a young generation can grab a hold of it. It can, be kind of come, it can become kind of faddish. But he said, you know, when, when the old timers wrote songs, they, they wrote them out of prayer. And they wrote them out of experience. And he said, the reason why G.T. Haywood wrote, I see a crimson stream of blood is because he saw a crimson stream of blood. I'm interested in giving glory to God, and I'm interested in men who speak from that experience. David's one of those men. Psalms 26 and 1, judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. Examine me, O Lord, prove me, try my reins in my heart. Thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, and I have walked in thy truth. He gives a description of his efforts to find a place in God of communion and fellowship and rightness. Verse 9, he said, Gather not my soul with sinners, nor my life with bloody men in whose hands is mischief, their right hand is full of bribes. But as for me, I will walk in mine integrity. Redeem me and be merciful unto me. My foot standeth in an even place. In the congregations will I bless the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to be right with God. I want to raise up a generation after me that is in love with Jesus. And tonight, by the help of God, I want to preach to you a message I've entitled, My Foot Standeth in an even place. 
my foot standeth in an even place. Look at the person next to you. Tell them, I'm looking to find spiritual balance. Reading this portion of scripture. The phrasing, the, the choice of words, it sprung from the page. And sent my mind on a spiritual journey. The truth is that we're living in tumultuous times. But I'm not here to complain about it. Because while the devil's doing what he's doing, God's doing what he's doing. And we know who has the last word in this thing. I didn't come to bring glory to the devil. I didn't come to preach doom and gloom. And woe is me. And what are we going to do? And how are we going to make it? That's not the message for the church. Amen. The church understands that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And we've known for a long time that this kind of stuff was coming down the pike. So we're going to do what we've always done. We're going to plant our feet. We're going to lift our hands. We're going to open our mouths. And we're going to say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm not afraid and I'm not intimidated. I'm here to give God praise and give God glory. Because God's going to have a church. Yes, he is. And, and courts can make decisions and public opinion can turn on a dime. Long-held beliefs and social mores and ideologies can, can give way before the onslaught of secularism and humanism. But it only does for us what God said it would do for us. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. And I read that in an article the other day that spoke of Christianity giving way before this changing of events and this national dynamic that has happened here in the last month or two. But the truth is, that's not the church. The world is just figuring out what we've always known. The, the mask has slipped off of secular Christianity. And the world's figuring out what we've always known is what professing Christians have falsely claimed can't stand up to the devil. The only thing that can stand up to the devil is the real Acts 2.38 Jesus name church. We're just going to keep hand clapping and foot stomping and aisle running and devil chasing and 
Bible reading and tongue talking in Jesus' name, baptizing and holy living and righteous pursuing, hallelujah, we're the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Uh, the writer said, Jesus made the statement, upon this rock, upon this rock, in his choice of words, he made specific mention of a specific rock. It matters because there are many professing to be the place of refuge or the place upon which to build. Uh, but, but in the Old Testament, the question was asked, who is a rock like unto our rock? Upon this rock. Amen. Uh, he specified it. I don't make apologies tonight for a specific salvation. God's salvation is very specific. Oh, hallelujah. A religious world wants to leave it vague. They want to leave it obscure. They don't want to offend anybody. They're, they, they don't want to cause any waves. Amen. You need to cause some waves. The gospel makes waves. The ark was this tall, this wide, this long, this kind of wood, pitched within, pitched without, heavenly blueprints, specific blueprints, so that there is no ambiguity as to God's method of salvation. Leviticus, ad nauseum, writes about every knot and every flower and every snuff dish and every circlet and every every board, every beam as they build the Old Testament transmission of salvation. And God said, see that thou make it according to the pattern that I showed thee in the mount. It is a specific salvation. And it's no different today. A specific God demands a specific salvation that you must repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And you shall, you shall, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And lest we get vague, you will speak with other tongues when the Spirit of God speaks through you. And you will cry, Abba, Father, and His Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. Oh, can I get the church to help me praise the Lord tonight? Can I get somebody that says, this is it, this rock, this rock. And then he took possession of it. He said, I will build my church. I mean, it's God's church. It's God's church. Uh, that's significant because what it means is that if there is another masquerading, that hell shall prevail. 
against it. The gates of hell shall prevail against every pretender, every counterfeit, every fly-by-night, every compromiser. You don't need to cry about compromisers. Hell's coming after them, and hell is going to overtake them because the only thing that's going to make it is my church, my church, my church. Not John Wesley's church. Not the Pope's church. Not Nicaea's church. But Jesus' church. It's the only one that will stand. It's the only one that will resist. It's the only one that's going to... Because it's built upon a rock. Hallelujah. What I'm going to preach to a degree on tonight is I want to talk a little bit about balance. I want to talk about balance. It's not maybe the most glamorous topic, but glamour is overrated sometimes. I don't want to just shout and run on Saturday night and then backslide next week. And so, if we're going to be the church of this age, the Bible says, upon whom the ends of the world are come, then it behooves us to be a balanced church. It's the kind of a thing that the devil would like to disrupt. I'm going to tell you tonight, the devil would like to make us lose our balance. He would like to cripple us with regards to our progress. He would like to slow us and stop us. Fascinating portion of scripture where Adonai Bezek would take the kings of the conquered armies and he would cut off their right thumbs and their right toes, their big thumbs and their big toes. And in doing so, he would incapacitate them. He would ensure that they could no longer pick up a sword and he would ensure that they could no longer pursue and they could no longer flee. And he would rob them of the most fundamental traits of humanity. Being able to stand upright is a phenomenon peculiar to humans. There's others in the animal kingdom that can stand to a degree, but it's it's the erect posture of humanity that gives its distinctive look. Uh, Anthropologists call us bipeds. That's a fancy word. It means we got two feet. And we walk 
and we progress and we look and we gather and we, we move according to the will and purpose of God in our lives. We are made in the image of God. Hallelujah. A distinct advantage over the animal kingdom and it requires balance. It's such a subtle thing. It's so subtle you forget about it. It's something learned from the earliest toddler who wobbles and weaves and totters until you become the young adult. Dexterity applies itself and athleticism and nimbleness of foot comes and then we grow old and we lose it all and we totter and wobble again. <laughs> balance. It's, it's probably not the most glamorous topic, but I'm going to tell you that without balance, you cannot do the will of God. We can't, we cannot stagger into heaven. We can't barely make it into heaven. We can't hang on by our fingertips. We, we can't just somehow barely scrape by. But we are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. This thing is to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And the steps of a good man are supposed to be ordered of the Lord. And I'm walking and wherever the sole of my foot I'm taking dominion for the kingdom of God and I'm claiming Abrahamic promise and I'm the devil would like to take away our ability to do so and he would cut off their big toes and he would make them incapable of pursuit incapable of flight and there's nothing worse than a crippled church You're seeing it now. People are, people are scared. They're losing their minds because they're seeing the inroads of sin as society changes. People are seeing things today that 30 years ago would have been impossible to see. There are things being championed that, that were not championed, that were a disgrace at one time. And now the whole thing has flipped. And now, now they're trying to quote scriptures. <laughs> too little, too late. You can't wink at adultery. You can't wink at social drinking. You, you can't drink at recreational drug use. You can't nudge over promiscuity. That's not a game. Adonai Bezek is cutting off your balance. He's cutting off your ability to resist. He's cutting off your ability to fight. He's cutting off your ability to run away. The Bible says flee from fornication for this is the will of God. But you can't flee if you're bound by pornography. We are living in a world that has lost its ability to function. Thank God for the church that can stand upright and say I'm still apostolic. I'm I'm still separated from the world and I will not give in. You can't have my prayer life. You can't have my Bible. You can't.
I'm going to stand by the grace of God. There are still young men standing. The ability to stand requires the ability to balance. If you've lost that ability, when the enemy comes and when laws change, when you try to stand up, you find yourself incapable. Hands that had thumbs cut off a long time ago can't grip swords. You can't play games with the Bible and then pull it out when it, when it, when it comes to something that scares you. You're either going to follow this thing all the way or you might as well put it on the shelf and stop reading it. Well, it's not that big a deal. Everything's a big deal in the Word of God. It's forever settled in heaven. The dotting of the I, the crossing of the T, the jot, the tittle. Every word is going to come to pass. Every comma, every exclamation point, every capitalization. It all matters. It's the Word of God. And it levels, it levels the playing field. Jesus described it. He said that when John the Baptist came, that every mountain would be brought down. And every valley would be brought up. And the crooked would be made straight. And he was talking about an equilibrium. He was talking about a spiritual ability to properly distribute weight. Hallelujah. This whole thing is built on balance. If you lean too far to the left, bad things happen. If you lean too far to the right, bad things happen. Somebody said, where are you at? Are you on the left or the right? I'm trying to hit the sweet spot. I'm trying to find an even place to put my foot. I'm trying to get rid of my biases. And I'm trying to see through my culture. And I'm trying to get rid of my preconceptions and my assumptions. I don't want to stand on an incline. I don't want to fall down a decline. I want to stand in an even place and raise my children to walk Praise God. <laughs> We're here because of balance. Amen. God told Job, where were you when I fastened the corners of the earth? Where were you when I bound the winds? Where were you when I balanced the heavens? Ha! Whew. Atheists will tell you that we're a cosmic accident. We are a, a blip in the space-time continuum, and we're just real lucky. And they say we don't mean much. I, I think they're looking through the wrong end of things. 
That's what I did as a kid, you know. I, I, I pick up binoculars and I look through the wrong end. I look through the big end and everything looked little. Flip that thing around, look through the right end and everything looks big. Flip that around. I think we matter a lot. Instead of believing that we aren't much and that we came from animals and that, that there's nothing special about us and we're an accident, I believe that we are the apple of God's eye. I believe that God has a special place for us and, and, and he, he exquisitely balanced and fine-tuned on a razor's edge all of the cosmos. I'm not an accident and you're not an accident. Amen. God balanced this thing. He put stars and stars across the canvas of the night. He flung them out and placed them in such proximity to where gravitational forces multiplied and amplified by the billions and hundreds of billions holding each other in a state of constant tension. Hallelujah. Moons and planets and solar systems revolving and whirling at light speed and faster and and, a dizzying array of heavenly balance. And you have stars out there, Andromeda Galaxy, Milky Way Galaxy, Castor and Pollux and Betelgeuse and Red Giants and absolute marvels of the natural world. And they hold each other into orbit. They hold each other in tension. They hold each other in balance. God has it there for a reason. He has that there so that that doesn't move and that there so that that doesn't move and that and that and that and that. An intricate gridlock until you come closer to home and he's got Pluto and he's got Uranus and he's got Neptune and he's got Venus and they're all intricately there. That's not an accident. That's a balancing act by heaven. And you've got the earth and and it's not just the earth but it's tilted on its axis at such a degree and a rate of rotation so that we could hold an atmosphere and the reason he did all of that was so that everything that hath breath might praise the Lord he did it all for his glory he did it all for his people he balanced it he stretched And he created a creature that said, they will glorify me. They will give me praise. They will honor me. You're not just coming to another Saturday night service tonight. You are entering into heavenly business. You are here doing the greatest thing that you could do. You want to do it for yourself. You want to do it for your children. You want to do it for your grandchildren. Come on, honey. This is the way where light dwells. This is the even place. This is the city that has foundations. This is how we live our life. Amen. Balance. 
balance. God distributes it. Mountains brought down, valleys brought up, highways made straight. God's demolition crew will go to work on you to bring an even place. I preached it last night in Birmingham. I spoke about Zerubbabel, where God told him that it wouldn't be by might, it wouldn't be by power, but it would be by my spirit, saith the Lord. And the question was asked, who art thou, O mountain, that you would stand against Zerubbabel? But before him, you shall become a plain. The impossibilities of this world level out before the God of heaven and earth. I want God to go to work on me to take away the mountain peaks and the valleys of my life. The spiritual geography that makes up the landscape of my spirit. If I've got some proud mountaintops, I want God to go to work on my pride. And I want him to start to bring down those mountains. God's got a way of humbling you. God's got a way of bringing you down. God's got a way of leveling the playing field. Don't you get mad. Don't you get upset. That's just God leveling you out in the Holy Ghost. It doesn't just work for pride. It works for low self-esteem as well. Those are the valleys of life. God knows how to fill in the valleys. God knows how to take a person that thinks they're not worth anything and he knows how to bring them up to where they need to be. Well, I'm not good enough to serve God. I don't have the ability. I can't go to church. I'll never make it. Hey, God knows you better than you know yourself. And if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. He will pick up the lowly. He will bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He'll give you the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. As God goes to work on me, standing in an even place, I have to let God do what he wants to do. Sometimes, sometimes we're born into uneven geography. Sometimes the landscape that we're born into is not level. Hallelujah. Everybody thinks that life is normal when it's their life. Crooked seems straight to crooked people. Well, the way I see it, we don't want to know how you see it. We want to know how God sees it. Well, it makes sense to me. I don't want to know who it makes sense to. I want it to make sense to God. It is not in man to know his salvation. 
What man can understand his faults? David said, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Well, how I was raised. You know, you can't strike level just looking from where you're standing. You can't lay a foundation based upon your independent observation. You can't find level unless you pull it from an outside source. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You can't lay a foundation and have level if you don't have a previously laid out level place that you can pull the numbers from. You've got to have an engineer who has already surveyed and already laid it out and has determined this is level. It may not look level to you. You're standing on a mountainside, but it is level. The instruments say it. The gauges say it. The aerial view says it. You just can't see it from where you're standing right now. But if you pull your numbers from the level place, honey, it'll be even. It'll be... I don't care if we do live in 2015. I'm not pulling level from the Supreme Court. I'm not pulling my numbers from society. I'm pulling my numbers. I'm looking. I laid in Zion a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone. And he that believeth on me shall not make haste. the foundation of the apostles and prophets Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone hallelujah man I'm not building just to build I'm building to last amen the wise man built his house upon the rock the man that does that hears the word and doesn't do it built his house upon the sand. Didn't you say he built it on the rock? I said he digged down. And he built it on the rock. You're going to have to dig through some commentaries. You're going to have to dig through some religions. You're going to have to dig through your upbringing. You're going to have to dig through your bias. Yadabokoshaya. You're standing on an incline and you don't even know it. You gotta dig down. It's the only thing that is level. It is the only thing that is permanent. Hey, I'll take level and steady over over flashy and 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 exciting any day. Flesh and excitement will come and it will go. But level, level has a way of remaining. Level has a way of standing. I might not have the most, but I'm standing. I might not be the most flashy, but I'm standing. I might not be the wealthiest, but honey, I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm standing. Oh, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth.
You'll have to come out of denominationalism to find the level place. You'll have to come out of religion to find the stone that was laid in Zion. Ah, he's the stone that the builders rejected. But honey, he's the head of the corner. And I'm glad I'm in a Jesus name church that knows who that stone is and knows that... can be seated it's wrong to lean too far in one direction it's wrong to overly distribute because this thing isn't about just one thing it's several things when you walk there's many 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 muscles that come into play and you can't afford to overemphasize any one thing but it's about balance if you don't pray and you focus your energies on jobs and homes and boats and education oh I'm all for education but it's awful easy to put a little more weight on the education leg And you'll find that you begin to analyze and you begin to grow cold. The smarter we get, the less reliant upon faith we become. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It is possible to overbalance in the wrong direction. Amen. Go to college. Get a degree. I hope you get a couple degrees, but don't ever forget how to pray. Don't ever forget how to read the Bible. It's not another book. It's not a literary work. It is the Word of God. And it is forever settled, established, planted in heaven. I can't grow out of balance in natural things. I don't want my preaching to get so smart that it's not anointed. Hallelujah. I I don't want to get so intelligent that I can't speak in tongues. Hey, God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. the thoughts of the wise that they are vain I'm here to lean on Jesus trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not don't overbalance 
talents. Don't over-distribute. Lean not. Lean. Some people are leaning on their education. They're leaning on their bank account. They're leaning on their wherewithal. They're leaning on their accumulated wealth. Lean not. I don't care how smart I get. I got to have a pastor. I gotta have a man of God that can grab me by the collar and say, wait a minute, I see something. Wait a minute, I'm noticing something. I gotta have somebody that can pull my coattail. Because I gotta stand in an even place. You'll find that what you allow And the unevenness that you allow into your life, your children will take it further. If you are out of balance, you better believe your children will be out of balance. And Eli's do not produce Samuel's, they produce Hophni's and Phineas's. And natural over-reliance on natural thinking and over-reliance upon man's ability can bring up... There is a generation of quote-unquote Christians that arise that damage the kingdom of God, that hurt people's faith, that they're, they're playboys, they run around. The Bible says that Hophni and Phinehas caused men to abhor the sacrifice of the Lord. People pointed to them and looked at them and knew that they were living in sin. An out-of-balance leadership structure, an out-of-balance church that wasn't finding that place, that level, even place. They had forgotten the prayer room. They had forgotten the scripture. They had forgotten the fasting. They had forgotten the consecration. And now the lamps have grown dim and have gone out and the ark is neglected. I'm telling you, there's nothing good that can come out of that as the geography begins to become more and more disruptive I don't want to learn how to preach I don't want to learn how this thing works I don't want to learn how to play church I don't want to learn how to sing I don't want to learn how to play like an angel and live like a devil Well, we got to let them keep on playing the piano. They're very talented. Hey, you're killing them. You're, you're not just killing the church. You're killing them. They need to find an altar. They need to be broken before God. They got to find an even place. Because they got to be a Christian before they're a preacher. They've got to be a Christian before they're a musician. My foot standeth. And you can grow out of balance the other way. You can lean too far to the right. You, you can preach against fresh air. Man, I shouldn't even go here, but I. 
I, I just think that there's too much work to be done to be staggering around out of balance. I think there's too much work to be done. There's too many souls to be saved. There's, there's too many Bible studies to be taught, to be wandering around and chopping each other up and hating on each other and, and, and contending over things that straining at gnats and swallowing camels while the earth... My, my, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You can push people and push people and push people and push people into a preconceived idea and you can be strict and you can be tough and you can be mean and you can call it authority all you want to, but be careful that you're not out of balance and you're about to fall. I've seen too many people that preached against everything that moved, that when it hit them, they went charismatic. I've seen too much of that happen to not preach against it. See, what happens is people, people grab a hold of others. They grab a hold of well-meaning folks and grab a hold of young preachers. They grab a hold of saints and they pull them. It's like pulling on a sapling, a small tree. Just pull them. Do this, do that, do this. And I'm not preaching against holiness. We've got to have holiness. We've got to have standards. We've got to have the line of the word of God. I'm, I'm not preaching that. We have got to be modest. We've got to be separate from the world. Amen. It's invaluable. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. But there's a difference between that and being so out of balance that you kill people. And you can pull them and pull them and stretch them. And there's a tension that grows inside the body of that sapling. You ever wonder why when people backslide from extreme stuff, they don't just go into little stuff. They go into extreme sin. It's because when the cord is cut, when the patriarch who believes certain things, that preach certain things, when that cord's cut, when he dies, when his ministry's over, or whatever happens, that sapling snaps back violently in the other direction. And it gives justification to people to live however they want to. I'm not interested in living extreme left or extreme right. I am interested in finding the level ground. I'm interested in finding the balance of judgment and mercy. And if we're going to balance in judgment and mercy, I'm always going to lean towards mercy because mercy rejoiceth against judgment. We got to preach it straight, but we got to preach it with the love of God and the compassion of the kingdom. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to find level ground. I'm trying to find a level place to stand for my son to stand, for my children to stand. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Ah! My foot standeth. My foot standeth. You can be seated. Sometimes it's it's the environment we're born into. I'm here to tell you right now there's never a good reason to backslide. 
Even if you were born into challenging circumstances, even if you were born topsy-turvy, even if you were born into a dysfunctional family, or if you were born into a, an oppressive environment of some kind, some kind, there's no reason to backslide. Don't, don't blame God. Don't blame the church. The answer isn't hatred and bitterness and backsliding. The answer is to find even ground. The psalmist said, my foot standeth in an even place. There's sometimes it's not the ground that's the problem. Sometimes it's my foot. Sometimes my inability to stand is because of me. God knows how to go to work on you. Sometimes it's environment. Sometimes it's personal. God knows how to go to work on both. He'll go to work on your environment. He went to work on David's environment. David's born into a dictatorial setup. David was born into a corrupt monarchy where a man had forgotten to pray and had walked away from the things of God. We don't want to talk about it, but it happens. I see people damaged by churches and religion more than I ever have in my life. It's true in denomination and it's even true in apostolic ranks. Mm, praise God. Man, I don't, I, don't want, I don't want to get too straight, but I don't know how to preach it any other way. This is, this is how we find the level ground. And it's, it's possible to get so involved in a warped paradigm, a prayerless lifestyle, and just trying to establish your own kingdom that, that, that you, you can forget what the kingdom's all about. You can forget we're supposed to be fighting Philistines. We're not supposed to be chasing David. This thing's about winning souls. This thing's about pushing back darkness. This thing is about establishing the church. It's about winning the loss. It's about discipling people. I don't have time to chase my brother. I, I don't have time to try to kill my brother. I don't. If you've been hurt by leadership and preachers that, 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 have, that have lost their way, that's not a reason to backslide. That's a reason to simply keep on looking for the right thing. God's just leveling some things out. God, You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how much they hurt me. Hey, Saul can throw his javelins all he wants to. I'm going to keep on playing my harp. I'm going to keep on praising God. I'm going to keep on living for him because I'm looking for the even Can I talk about this for a little while? Amen. You can be seated. <laughs> My goodness, how do you even say it? You don't know what they said to me, Brother Ursh and I. They hurt me. They, they hurt my wife. They, they're filled with hatred. There can be distorted uneven situations you find yourself in that are not right, that are not equitable. I've heard of people say, you need to submit to my authority, and then they told them to do crazy things, things that aren't in the Word of God, things that aren't conducive to sound doctrine. 
Amen. And if you don't submit to it, then, then you're out of line. Well, that doesn't work when they're out of line with the Word of God. And just because there's a saw, that doesn't make it right to walk away from God. Well, what do you do when a saw comes after you? Well, <laughs> I can tell you what you don't do. You never try to fight him. You never try to kill him. Because God's anointed is God's anointed. Amen. And the principle of authority is a powerful principle. You trust your hands to a loving creator. You trust your reins to a loving creator. You put your faith in God. God knows where we're at. God knows what's going on. God knows how to open up doors. God knows how to level things out as time goes on. Amen. It doesn't mean I have to stand there and be a pincushion. <laughs> Amen. When David began to cut a piece off of his garment, and later he snuck into his camp and, and he took some things. Uh, Saul, he cried out to him and, and Saul said, is that, my, is that my son David? And, and David made the statement to me, why, why are you coming out against a flea like me? And when he used the term flea, it's, 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 it's a, a testament of his insignificance. I'm not a big deal. Chasing me is not what it's all about. Building the kingdom is what it's all about. David was testifying to his humility and his insignificance in the grand scheme of things. But not only that, you ever try to catch a flea? I mean, they're little, man. You can't hardly see them. And you try to go and they jump. And then you try to get and they jump and they, they, and they jump and they jump. And, they, and that's what David was doing. He knew that the situation wasn't right. He knew that everything wasn't in alignment. And while javelins were coming, he's jumping and he's jumping. And I don't mean much, but I'm not planning on dying just yet. I'm not going to kill Saul, so I'm just going to keep jumping and jumping as I'm looking for level ground. I might be with some misfits for a little while, but God's just working some things out. God's leveling his field. Hey, this is God's church. He knows how to handle his business this is God's kingdom he can raise one up and he can tear one down my job isn't to kill anybody my job is to glorify God don't you get bitter don't you get backslide just look for the even ground you can be seated I'm trying to close I'm trying to wrap it up Sometimes it's not the terrain. Sometimes it's me. If you read about the lame man at the gate, beautiful. When Luke would describe healings, he described them differently than Mark or Matthew or John would. They would say the lame man walked. They would say he, he leapt and he walked. But, but Luke, being a physician, he didn't. He would describe it. He would say, his ankle bones receive strength. <laughs> Sometimes the brokenness is in me. We see Jacob, we see Jacob living a life and there, there are things in Jacob that are admirable, but there are also things that are troubling. 
Uh, one thing he desires the birthright, but another thing he's, he's awful quick to deceive. It leaves one with an unsettled feeling and wondering if he's, if his ground's completely level. God knows how to level the ground. God knows how to handle hypocrites. He knows how to handle the half-hearted. He knows how to have even, even sincere good people that are weak. God can put you in circumstances that will make you sink or swim. Don't, don't get mad at God when God's excavators start rumbling over your spirit. God knows how to bring a Laban into a deceiver's life. He knows how to run him through the ringer. He knows how to take years off his life. He knows how to work on him until some mountains come down and some valleys come up. God knows how to provide an even place. A.D. Urshan, in his ministry, saw scads of people healed. People pulled from wheelchairs, people throwing away crutches, people raised from the dead, miraculous things that, that it caused thousands to embrace the new birth message of Acts 2.38. Tens of thousands. The people he touched are many and they are varied. And, and with that kind of renown and that kind of reputation and that kind of spiritual authority, it seems incongruous to note that he had a boy, my grandfather's younger brother, who was afflicted with a muscular disease. Crippled. Bound. Doctors said his life would be brief. And the man that can heal so many can't even heal his own son. And he would pray, healing Jesus. And he would lay hands, like he laid hands on people at camp meeting, like he laid hands on people in other forums and other venues, and they would be healed. But not my boy! And there he was, drawn together, deteriorating as time went by. He was little Andrew. It's his namesake. It's, it's the one that he had such hope for. And while Nathaniel grew tall and strong, Andrew withered and grew closer together as his body betrayed him and turned on itself. Death was close. And he prayed and he fasted and he sought God and he believed God and nothing happened. Until one day, little Andrew put his arm on A.D., his hand on his arm and said, Dad, I don't want you to pray for my healing anymore. Why not? The Bible says they'll lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. I know, Dad. I know. But see, God knows and I know something. That, that if I were whole, I wouldn't serve him. So he's not going to heal me, Dad. I'm just going to keep on loving him.
Because the answer isn't wholeness. The answer is standing in an even place. This is why if our right hand offends us, we cut it off. This is why if our right eye offends us, we pluck it out. And if our foot offends us, we cut it off. Because I'd rather enter into heaven blind than enter into hell being able to see with 20-20 vision. If God has to remove some things, if God has to redistribute some things, if God has to take away some supports to where I've got to limp a little bit to redistribute the weight of my spiritual man... It's here that we see Jacob. It's here that we see Laban betraying him. It's here that we see him robbing him of seven years of work and lying and, and, and claiming one thing and doing another and, and all, the, all manner of duplicity and wickedness. It's here that we see Jacob as he tries to do what's right and he struggles to find equilibrium and he's finding the terrain is hard to get footing on goes up into a mountain and he wrestles with an angel that angel touches the hollow of his thigh and the sinew shrinks you know the story his name is changed from Jacob to Israel as a prince he's prevailed found power with God and we call it the time where Jacob wrestled with the angel a great moment in the history of Israel and of the church Uh, but what you might not notice is that at the end of that chapter the Bible says Jacob halted from that day forward he walked with the limp as God just shifted some things in his life to make sure that he kept on walking hallelujah the last picture that we see of Jacob is not found in the book of Genesis. It's found in the book of Hebrews, where the Bible says that Jacob worshiped God leaning upon his staff. I might be hurt, but I'm still standing. I might have been damaged, but I'm still standing. Laban might have stole my increase, but I'm still standing. And I'm looking for the even place. There is no reason to backslide. There is no reason to give up. You keep on worshiping. If you got to carry a staff, carry a staff. But keep on looking for the even place. My foot, my foot, my foot standeth. I don't care what they said. I don't care what they did. You keep on praising God. You keep on loving God. You keep on pouring your heart out to God. Because I'm not looking for success. I'm looking for the even place. All over this building, I want you to lift your hands to heaven. What's God got to take away from you to make sure that you serve him? What's God got to keep you from? You might have to limp, but as long as you keep worshiping. Hallelujah. What's God got to do to take you to find even ground? Come on, young man. What's God got to do to break that spirit of pornography that you've been trying? You're limping through life. You're limping through services. You're trying to make it through. And you're... 
What's God got to destroy? What's God got to touch? What's God got to to save you? Who does God have to remove from your life to make sure that heaven's your home? Hallelujah, this first night of Arkansas camp meeting. Hey, I want some people to come down here and lift your hands and find the even place. Try me, my reins. Judge me. Wash me. I'm looking for the even place. I don't want to lose this doctrine. Rationalize my bitterness. I don't care if a leader fell. I don't care if somebody mistreated me. My foot standeth. My foot standeth. My foot standeth in an even place. Friends can leave me. Friends can betray me. Society can make decisions. But I'm going to stand. I might be leaning, but I'm going to stand. I might have a staff, but I'm going to stand. And I'm going to worship. And the last thing you're going to see is my silhouette praising his name. Come on, double-minded. Come on, double-minded. Thank you. 